I just thought it was funny because as I was reading through stuff, I was like, that's terrible advice. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Exploring the National Parks podcast with Dirt in My Shoes. My name is Ash, and I'm a former park ranger and the founder of Dirt in My Shoes. I think that the parks are best seen from the trail, and I'm here to make national park trip planning easy. And I'm John. I carry the kids on the trails, I tell stories, and notice all the things that Ash doesn't care about much, like trees. Join us as we show you around America's spectacular national parks. We're sharing our favorite places, fun facts, adventures, and misadventures. And we'll even throw in a little trip planning. Let's start exploring. This episode is sponsored by Dave Ramsey. (laughs) Just kidding. I grew up in a Dave Ramsey household. Yes. He does And I married into a Dave Ramsey household, (laughs) which was quite a shock. He does money. He helps you budget and stuff like that, for those of you who've not heard of him. But I did grow up in a Dave (laughs) Ramsey household. However, not everyone was on board. I have to say that. My mom would say, well, Dave Ramsey isn't God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But today we're talking about visiting national parks on a budget. Yes. Which... Truth be told, I love myself a budget. Yes, you do. So I'm Ooh. pretty excited. Oh, we got a spreadsheet here. This is how much <laughs> we're spending on lodging and dining. And this is just going to be great. John is the spender in case anyone needed to know. <laughs> I'm a free spirit. I spend money like I sneeze. It's just a reflex. Which is why he never plans our national park trips. <laughs> I do all of it. And we've gone through years. So when I was like fresh out of high school, I always wanted to travel. I've always been a big traveler. Mm -hmm. And it was a pretty big wake up when I graduated high school and I started college and I'm on my own and I have zero dollars. Right. But I really, really want to travel. Yes. What do you do? You go to national parks. Yep. That's what I did. And so I am really good. I mean, my love of the national parks, I would say, really stemmed out of like, it was just because I was poor. (laughs) There was no other option for me to travel. If she could have afforded to travel to the Hamptons or to somewhere a little bit more pricey like the Bahamas, she would have. I would go anywhere. Yes. I don't care. Honestly, I just love to travel. But I couldn't afford to travel when I was no longer living with my parents and having them foot the bill for everything. Right. At that point, the best advantage that you have is just like a car that gets good gas mileage and a tent. Which I had. Right. Which is why I started going to the national parks so much. Yep. And I'm grateful for that because it really did foster my love of the national parks Mm -hmm. and short year two later is when I started working as a park ranger and just like I went all in because I loved it so much. Thank you, mom and dad, for not being willing to give me any money. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But no, I mean, we are very mindful of this. And I think that the national parks are one of the best ways to travel. Right. If you want to do so on a budget. Yes, I agree. I have been the beneficiary of a person that loves to budget, loves a good spreadsheet, and has taken me many places in amount of money that I never could have done without her. So yeah. <laughs> thank you, Ash. You're welcome. This episode actually was a request episode from yes. Leah. 
She asked if we had any tips for traveling to the national parks on a budget. And I said, do I ever? Yes, I do. (laughs) So today we want to talk. Well, not we, me. John's just here for the jokes. (laughs) I give a running commentary. (laughs) I'm here to share eight of my favorite tips for traveling to the national parks on a budget. So let's jump in. Tip number one. Buy an annual pass if you're going to go to three or more parks in a year. Yeah. It's just a no-brainer. The math just works out. So the annual pass, as of right now, is $80. And most national parks are somewhere between $25 to $35 for an entrance for seven days. Mm -hmm. So you only have to go to two and a half (laughs) parks to make your money back. But what's nice is the pass doesn't only cover national parks, it covers a lot of different federal lands. And so you just, you never know. And if you have it, you'll use it. Oh, it's so true. It gives you an excuse to go to another park. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's awesome. (laughs) So for most of us, we're buying the America the Beautiful Pass, which is the $80 one. And it's good for a whole year. If you are 62 or older, you can get a senior pass, which is a steal of a deal. It's like they just changed the prices a couple years ago, but I think it's $80 now for your lifetime. (laughs) So that's pretty good. Which is crazy. That's like the people that had like a a really good deal with Verizon or AT&T like 20 years ago and they've never changed it. That's why I'm so excited to get old. (laughs) I want my senior pass so bad. You can get military you can get a free actually if you're active duty military you can get a free pass gold star families stuff like that so definitely look up if you have a fourth grader in your family you can get a free pass for the year so an even better way to save money is you can get some of these passes oh if you're permanently disabled they have a pass for free that you can get so anyway all in all so i did the math for the year 2023 We saved over $700 in entrance fees. Oh, my gosh. From just having this one pass. (laughs) Now, we're not normal because we run a business that helps people travel to the national parks. So we are in the national parks a lot. We visit a lot of national parks. Right. But still, $700 just because we have this one pass that gets us in everywhere. Oh, yeah. That's some sweet cheddar right there. Oh, please never say that again. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I saw the most amazing eye roll reflex just now on Ash <laughs> as I said, Cheddar. I just need him to not make as much commentary as all. <laughs> Tip number two is to travel during the off season. And this one sometimes doesn't make sense depending on which park you're hoping to go to and if you've been to that park before. Mm-hmm. But it's one of our favorite ways to save money because a lot of times the hotels are cheaper. You can just get more bang for your buck, really, if you're willing to go kind of during the off season when it's not the main season in the park. Right. But you always do risk having bad weather or road closures or construction closures, things like that. They do a lot of stuff like that during those off season months. So, like, for example, We go to Glacier National Park pretty often, and there are some years where we go to Glacier National Park during the middle of the summer when it's the busiest, right? when it's the hardest to get reservations and everything because there's like a specific thing we want to do. 
This last summer, we went to Glacier and we wanted to hike the Highline Trail. We've never done that with our kids. Right. And so we had to go in the middle of July when it's the busiest because the Highline Trail doesn't usually open till into July at some point. Right. So we had to go at that time. But the year before, we went to Glacier in June. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was amazing. But the whole going to the Sun Road wasn't open yet. Right. So it was quiet. (laughs) There were hardly any people there. It was not hard to get reservations, but we couldn't get to a lot of the stuff in the park. We could because the going to the Sun Rose is closed. So we had to drive all the way around to get to the east side of the park. Which it was gorgeous. Oh, my gosh. It was my favorite. (laughs) I loved it. It was awesome. Yeah, we couldn't go to Logan Pass. But we'd already been to Logan Pass plenty of times. So that's the caveat there is it's like you don't want to plan an off-season trip to a park that you're like dying to see all the stuff. Right. Or if it's a park, you're not sure you'll make it back to again. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, we'll do that sometimes if it's just like, or Yellowstone, for example. Well, actually, Grand Teton, we're going to Grand Teton tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And we've been there so many times that going during the winter when some of the roads are closed and you can't hike at all, is fine for us. Right. It's just awesome to be there. And it's, we only had to pay, let me tell you about Grand Teton, and it's not (laughs) Cheap. <laughs> we only had to pay like $200 for our hotel room this time versus like 400 in the summer. Yeah. Four to 500. So. Oh my God. We're saving a lot of money there. But anyway. <laughs> I will say I love autumn or fall shoulder season mm-hmm. is my favorite. I feel like yeah. sometimes the springtime shoulder season is a little riskier than the fall. But I don't know. That's not always true. I think I 100% agree with you on that, actually. If we're going to go off season, it usually is the fall and Mm -hmm. not the spring. Because the problem with using the spring as your shoulder season is there's just so much mud in some places that we want to go to. Like in Yellowstone, a lot of times like their winter season is over and their summer stuff hasn't started yet and the trails are too muddy to get around. Or there's still snow and things just haven't cleared out. Right. Versus like the fall, if you go, so we went to Yellowstone the beginning of October a couple years ago, which is always a risk. Yep. Because we've gotten snowed on over Labor Day in that park and had roads (laughs) closed and stuff. So you kind of try to go earlier than later. But we went in October and it was beautiful. Everything was still open. Mm -hmm. Like no problems. And there's no lingering snow. It's not spring. So things have already melted out and stuff. And sometimes you'll get a snow shower or two. <laughs> yeah. But Plus yeah. the wildlife do cool stuff in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. We do typically aim towards fall if we're going off season. But that will save you some money. So if you're not worried about seeing everything or you're okay with missing some stuff, you just want to go, I think it's better to go. Yeah. And just have a story to tell depending <laughs> on what happens. Right. But if you don't have the money to go during the peak season and you're trying to save money, then sure. You're not worse off for going, even if you can't get to everything. You're never worse off for going to a national park. It's always good. So travel during the off season is a really good way to cut down on some of those hotel costs, especially. The third tip is to camp. Love it. Camping is awesome. That's how I did it for a lot of years, just trying to visit the parks cheaply. Yeah. <laughs> you just camp. Not only is that great for the budget, it's like the cheapest way to lodge and stay in the park, 
but it just adds so much richness to your experience too. Mm-hmm. I love camping in the national parks because you have experiences in the twilight and nighttime hours that you wouldn't ever have staying in a hotel. You wouldn't get those experiences. Like you'll experience the entirety of golden hour. And then when the sun goes down, you hear the nighttime creatures come out or you get to have a campfire and look at the stars. Not only do you save money, but you're surrounding yourself with exactly the beauty of nature. You're putting yourself into the park. You're not as much of a visitor. You're actually a short time lodger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to put that exactly. You know, what is it? Fish and fish and uh, visitors go bad after like three days. Let that relationship simmer like a fish. Go into the park a little bit, and then when you stink, you leave. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite is when I'm camping and I can hear animals. Not so much like, I don't like hearing bears or what I think are bears. <laughs> well, everything sounds like a bear in the middle well, of the night. Well, to John, they do. Yeah. Camping with John. <laughs> Who is ever vigil. <laughs> Vigilant. Yes. Um. Yeah, but there's been times when I've heard coyotes. Yeah. Like we were in Death Valley camping and we were out sitting around our fire and you could hear the coyotes howling around us like and it was the coolest experience yeah they just had come out of their den yeah and we would have missed it because we wouldn't have been in the park yeah so i did some math for example we took a trip to mount rainier for three days this past summer and between the lodging and the food it was about $1,100, three days. Hotels around Mount Rainier are very expensive. We've taken that same trip multiple times, honestly. <laughs> a couple years before that, we went to Rainier and we camped. And between lodging and food, it cost $180 for the 10%. three days. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, actually. Yeah, we saved $915 by camping <laughs> for those three days. That's incredible. So, yeah, we stayed at Silver Springs Campground. You remember that one? That was fun. Near Sunrise. Yeah. And it was a beautiful campground. It was so fun. We put our hammocks up. Like, we were just, we were by the creek. We were only 10 minutes from Mount Rainier. Yeah. So, yeah, it was awesome. And we saved so much money. I will say, though, I was booking a campsite in Grand Teton for this coming summer, and their sites are 60 bucks a night now. Oh my gosh. 60. So way more than it was. Yeah. It's gone up a lot. But still, (laughs) past few years. But still, way cheaper than a 400 or night hotel in Jackson. Yeah. So camp if you can, even if you're not comfortable camping, if it's something that you've wanted to try, just do it. Yeah. Just do it because it's so cool. It's such a cool experience. We've had to make our kids get used to it. Yeah. That's actually a really important thing to me. I was like, we have our travel trailer that we lived in while we were visiting the national parks. But we now, because I don't think it counts to, <laughs> to camp in a trailer. I make my kids camp in a tent sometimes. Right, we, like we actually go in a tent on purpose because I just think it's just such a different experience to be in a tent. It is. We mix it in. We mix it up. So the kids never know what to expect. <laughs> They like tent camping. We have a lot of fun. It is fun. So, th- would you say that's probably the biggest money saver? 
Yeah. Like in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. Camping it instead of hoteling it is probably the biggest budget saver. I think so. When I was really on a very small budget trying to get to the national parks, it was always I drove my 1999 Nissan Sentra that got like 40 miles to the gallon. Yeah. And I just took my tent and camped. Like I would go to these parks and I would spend $100 for a three or four day trip mm-hmm. <laughs> just by camping and eating peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so bring your own food and camp and yeah. you probably save the lion's share of the money. Which, so tip number four is to cook your own meals because yeah. eating in the national parks is quite expensive. And, and not always much, worth it. It's basically never <laughs> worth it. <laughs> there are very few restaurants that we've eaten at in the national parks that I would like actually be excited to eat at again. Right. Honestly. Yes, that burger was worth $25. <laughs> <laughs> not oh a chance, man. No, no. So that's another thing that you can do is prepare your own meals. So a lot of, especially if you're camping, A lot of the campsites have at least a fire pit or something. You can bring a little stove and stuff like that. So you've got to get a little bit creative. But like I said, we've lived off peanut butter and jelly. We did, which is why you don't, which is why I don't eat it anymore. (laughs) That's why she hates it now. (laughs) No, I still eat it when it makes sense, but it's not my choice. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, But yeah, you can do that. Also, another thing is to shop local grocery stores like. If you are flying in or before you actually enter the park, go and get your groceries. Don't try to do that in the park. Oh, yeah, definitely. We did this like when we visited Everglades or when we go to when we have to fly to a place and we can't take our own cooler of food. We do make sure that we sometimes get a hotel with a fridge so that we can buy food at a grocery store. I mean, a lot of the, in the actual national parks, a lot of their little gift shops and stuff will have like convenience items that are four times as much if you just take a minute when you first get to the airport or something, drive to a grocery store, grab some stuff. You'll save so much more money that way too. Yeah, it's true. There's this scene from RV. If you've ever seen the movie RV with Robin Williams. Is that the one you showed me where he's dumping and all the poop splatters all over everything? <laughs> yes, there's okay. this amazing scene. If you want to YouTube it. That's the only part RV of that Robin movie, Williams yes. dump station. It's so good. Oh, uh, so funny. There's always this, exp- he has this experience multiple times at different campgrounds where he has something that he needs that he didn't buy before. And so he stops in at the campground store and he has to spend like a hundred dollars for trash bags or (laughs) you know fifteen dollars for a loaf of bread or a can of beans the prices are just so inflated in the national parks and in the general stores at said parks well and that goes along with the next tip number five which is to fill up with gas outside of the park Because it doesn't matter how expensive it is outside of the park. Like you might look at those prices and just be like, oh, my gosh, we can't. We're not going to pay for that. As soon as you cross into the national park, if there's even a gas station there, sometimes there's not. But it will go way up. Like three times. So I remember when we were dating and we visited Grand Teton and in Jackson, we could fill up. This is this is tells you how long ago it was like. 
$2.35 for a gallon of gas. And we got into Coulter Bay where there's the gas station and it was $6. Yeah. That was crazy. And I about died. <laughs> we were out of gas. No. We're hiking everywhere. <laughs> Because I can't afford to go between trailheads. Well, and that's another thing, too. You fill up with gas outside of the park, but then also a lot of these parks do have, especially the bigger parks, have some type of free transportation right. as well. So you can take a shuttle service or something. So that's another way you've got to balance it because do you want to save money on gas and save the environment? <laughs> People tell me that all the time we're trying to save the environment so we're not going to drive our own car I'm like that's fine but you're going to waste hours <laughs> in the shuttle line <laughs> trying to get around and stuff yes so it has to be a balance between we want to save money or save the environment versus actually being able to get to all the stuff you want to do while you're there right so that's kind of my like if we're going to take a shuttle it's got to make a fair amount of sense to me yes <laughs> both ways but yes we always fill up our car with gas before we actually get into the national park as much as possible because everything gets more expensive once you get into the park that's tip number five tip number six this is actually a big one that i just feel very passionate about Ooh, i'm excited yes, i know i'm so excited <laughs> tip number six is to Take advantage of free activities in the park. Yeah, definitely. AKA hike. Hike. It's free. Yes. <laughs> it's awesome too. It's, it's the my best favorite. Way to, I know. It's the best way to see the park and it's free and you're burning calories and there's no carbon footprint. I just think like when I really got passionate about hiking was also when I was on a budget. Yes. Because it was like, I want to go to these places. What better place to go than a national park where you can camp for pretty cheap and then all your entertainment is free? Yeah. You just hike. You oh. go and see some things and you hike. And if you don't like to hike, fine. There's lots of good opportunities to see the park in a different way. Ranger programs. Yep. Those are some of the best ways to really feel like you're a part of the park and really learn and do some cool things. So they have a lot of free ranger-led activities, such as they have some really cool ones like Redwood National Park. They will take you kayaking down the Smith River oh. as a ranger tour for which, free. Which is so cool. Yeah. So like you can do that if you're like Grand Teton, they do free snowshoeing tours with a ranger. At Great Basin and some other places, they do star parties. Yeah, Bryce Canyon and Great Basin, places like that. And they're free. So that's just one like really cool thing about the parks is when you actually get there, you don't have to spend more money to do anything. Oh, it's you awesome. You can join a free activity. So I just, I feel so like strongly about this is you don't need a guided tour you don't need to pay hundreds of dollars a person to see the park. You can if you really want to, but you can also just go and hit all those free activities and all the cool things you can do, seeing the viewpoint, hiking, so many cool things without having to spend any more money. Yeah, exactly. And so. th I think these ways are the best way also to naturally experience the parks. And so <laughs> it's, there's screen-free activities 
a lot of it is person to person. And so and a lot of it is just you being immersed in the park itself and experiencing it like an ancient hunter, you know, <laughs> something the, like that, like the, the ancient men of old that traveled around hunting the great mammoth and things like that. You're seeing it like they did on foot. It's so cool. Yeah. I want to put a caveat on this because I thought it was really interesting, actually, when I was researching some things for this episode. And a lot of people mention visiting a park that is free to enter Ooh, uh-huh. and as like a way to save money, which is fine. However, what I had to laugh about is a lot of these other websites were saying, oh, visit like a free park like Channel Islands. <laughs> And I was like, Um, have these people ever been to Channel Islands? I was like, yeah, it's free because you can visit the visitor center and like the little harbor right there. And the beach right there. Yeah. And there's no fee to do that. But that's also not an island. But also it costs like $100 a person to take a boat out to the actual Channel Islands. Right. So while it's free to get into the park, technically, you can't do much. Unless you pay $100 a person to get out to the island. Plus Dramamine. Yeah, (laughs) which is not cheap. That's not cheap. And so some of these parks, yeah, they're free, but you also have to check. But what is there to do there? How much more money am I going to have to spend to do the things? Right. Because there are definitely parks that are better for just like showing up and doing activities that don't cost anything right versus parks where you know if you really want to see the park you kind of have to pay to do this or to get there just keep that in mind i just thought it was funny because as i was reading through stuff i was like that's terrible advice (laughs) (laughs) don't plan a trip to channel islands if you want to save money that's a more expensive park to visit yeah (laughs) so because the associated costs Those add up pretty quickly that you don't expect. Yeah, I thought that was funny. So, okay. Tip number seven, speaking of free, is that the national parks have fee-free days every year. So they usually have, let's see, for 2024, there are seven fee-free days ranging from like Martin Luther King Jr. Day or they do National Park Week anniversary of the Great American Outdoors Act, Veterans Day, all of those days are free in the national parks. Nice. So you can go, you can enter, you don't have to pay anything to get in. Another just like asterisk on this is that those days are typically quite busy. Right. And so you're getting in for free, but you're dealing with more crowds when you get there. So just keep that in mind. A little bit of a trade-off. Which is why I usually... Tip number one, buy your annual pass because Mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter. You can go whenever you want. You don't have to plan your visit around these times that other people who want to save money and don't want to pay for entrance are going to be there. Exactly. So I would personally, for me, I avoid the fee-free days and I just buy the pass so (laughs) I can get in when I want to. Exactly. Or so I can go on a weekday because that makes a big difference too. Yes, it does. In a lot of the parks. So anyway, but there are fee-free days. So you can look those up. Again, there's usually six or seven a year where you don't have to pay to get in, which is nice if you're on a budget. And tip number eight, my last tip for saving money, we're traveling to the national parks on a budget, is to visit national monuments or smaller national parks. That's a cool one. I like that one. The thing about those ones is a lot of times, A, their entrance fees are usually less 
or none. B, there's not usually like as many amenities. So you're not, you just don't have as many options to spend money. (laughs) (laughs) There's no one there to take it from you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you, you spend more time. I find when we go to smaller parks or monuments, a lot more of our time is spent relaxing a little bit more. We'll hike for a minute, but then I can like sit in my hammock and read or like it's just it feels different right it's a more relaxing national park trip i think it's you you don't feel like you have to be somewhere all the time you spend more time around the campground Mm -hmm. or you just getting a bunch of sticks and trying to figure out how to lash them together to make something cool exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like the vibe especially of visiting a smaller part uh-huh. it just feels more laid back and relaxed and and fun so that's one reason also a lot of these smaller parks you'll just spend a ton less money on gas trying to get around places oh my gosh some of these yeah, hours less driving some of these places only have like one eight mile road you know that you can drive so <laughs> <laughs> yes we just did a few episodes on arches And that one, I mean, compare the road to that one compared to Yellowstone or Glacier or Yosemite, where you're driving for hours between points of interest. It's easily going to save you a bunch of cash. Yeah. Arches, it's only 45 minutes to the end of the park road. Yellowstone, you can literally drive for like eight hours if you want. (laughs) Yeah, so true. So yeah, so that's a good reason too. Another thing that I found as we visited some of these smaller parks or monuments is that a lot of times like there will be little towns outside of these parks. They haven't reached like elite status yet, you know? And so like the food is still reasonably priced and Mm -hmm. the lodging is still reasonably priced. Even though you might be in the middle of nowhere, you can still find cheaper options than a a lot of these bigger parks where it's just like if you want to be even remotely close to the park you're paying a premium to be there and these are trips that we've taken in the past year or so we went to bears ears national monument in southern utah and it was probably half as much for a hotel to go there as it was to go to Moab, which is just hour and a half away or so. So that saved us a lot of money. We went to Dinosaur National Monument. We stayed in Vernal. Yeah. Is the city right there. And it's just kind of a normal city. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can find everything you need there, but the prices are not crazy. Right. And Dinosaur, there's so, so many cool things you can do there. It's a really cool little monument. Saguaro, you can stay in Tucson, which is a huge city. Yeah, so many options. So, yeah, so there's just a lot of good, no matter your budget, you can stay there and you can see that park. We went to Chaco Canyon. Well, it's a technical name is Chaco Culture National. I think it's a historic site. I think so. It was so (laughs) cool, though. It's so cool. We've been there a couple of times. It's like Mesa Verde, but not as Not as well known. (laughs) Not as strict. It's definitely not as well known. Yeah. For sure. And it's a little bit more, it's a little bit in the middle of nowhere, but it's not near as much in the middle of nowhere as Chaco Canyon. Yeah. Chaco Canyon is so cool, but we stayed in Farmington. Again, just like a normal town that was not overpriced. We went to the best restaurant there. Oh my gosh. The Chili Pod. So delicious. So Um, good. And the prices were 
really reasonable. Yeah. And so somewhere like that, Black Canyon National Park is a smaller national park that a lot of people don't visit. In Colorado, you stay in Montrose, which is 20 minutes outside of the park. And again, normal town, normal prices. (laughs) Yeah, where the industry is not just the national park itself. Yeah. Where it's actually just like, it's a town with lots of other industries that support it. And so the national park is just one of the reasons why people either live or come to that place. Yeah. Yeah. So those are just some examples I could think, oh, Canyonlands, we went to Canyonlands Needles, yeah, which is not the part of Canyonlands that's near Arches and Moab. It's further south. So you stay in Monticello, which is down there. And that's cheaper than Moab. So even a huge national park like Canyonlands, you can go and stay at a different part and see a different part and save a bunch of money that way too. So that's probably my favorite way to save some money while still just having an experience you probably wouldn't have even thought to have. Right. Because a lot of these smaller areas just don't get the visitation. And so it's easy to find some deals. And you have some really unique experiences in these smaller national parks, because a lot of them are national parks for very specific reasons. It's really cool. And so you get to see something really unique and it's really fun. I love a lot of these smaller national parks that just have like one specific feature that you'll not see anywhere else. Like you mentioned Black Canyon, you mentioned Saguaro. There's a lot of really specific things that you'll go to these places to see that you won't see anywhere else. Exactly. So not only will you save money, but you provide yourself with a really unique experience. Everybody wins. It's true. So those are my tips. This is a shorter episode. I just have found over the years, those work the best for me if I'm trying to visit a park on a budget. But for your task for this week, for this episode, head on over to the Dirt in My Shoes Facebook or Instagram page And let us know what your number one tip is for visiting the national parks on a budget. Ooh, that's a really good one. It can be one of these that I've already talked about. But if you can think of something else, if there's something else you like to do to save money on your trips, let us all know. And then we'll just have a big list of ideas for Leah, who requested this episode, but also for anyone else who's hoping to visit a national park on a budget in 2024. And then please give the Exploring the National Parks podcast a five-star review. We really appreciate you. We love reading through your reviews. It's so fun interacting with you that way, but it definitely helps us get the word out. And for a lot of people that maybe have the same question, how do I travel to the national parks on a budget? If the more reviews we have, the more we can reach people and we can help that person actually get outside, get some dirt in their shoes and save a little bit of money as they do it. (laughs) 